Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, on X, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. It's a splendid day, Friday, leading into a big college football weekend in November. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good when you yeah. got a big college football weekend in November. You know what I'm already out on? And it's going to, are we going to get a nice progressive build? I feel like we will. Like this weekend's good. Next weekend, like obviously Thanksgiving weekend is going to be, is going to be pretty damn good. Best, best week of the year. Um, but are, week, are we going to get a progressive build? Or is it? Are we going to get bookends? Like this weekend's great and the last weekend's great, but the middle two might not be so hot. I mean, I mean don't, you, don't you think it largely depends on, like, whether what, or not, like, like what if, happens this weekend? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've. I mean, I guess you had like next weekend you get Michigan, Penn State. This weekend you have Alabama, LSU. We also have USC, Washington. You yes. also have uh, Georgia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that feels like a fake big game. I don't think Missouri's going to be able to keep up with them. I hope not, because um, <laughs> I've laid fifteen. I don't know. I think. I think in general, yes. I think you're right. Things tend to build because the the closer you get towards the end of the season, the more games matter. Yeah, like for instance, next next weekend, you know, like you get USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington, Miami, Florida State, Ole Miss, Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri. Like so that's pretty good, right there. And then the next week you have Tennessee, Georgia. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, typically that's the way it We're works. We're in a nice little steady build here. Yeah. And it all starts uh, tomorrow. You know what I'm already out on there? What's that? Um, the NBA's got to stop insisting. Like, I've seen way too many of those time-lapse videos of, Mark, here's the here's the NBA cup floor. It's a basketball mm. floor, y'all. We've, we've seen it. Well, and it's interesting you bring it up. Because- they're trying to make that, like that, I think they're trying to make the floor what interests fans. Well, they're trying. They're trying to make it distinctive. They're trying yeah, to like, separate okay. it from, uh, and make it seem like it is not just another regular season. I game. know, but uh, hang with me here. What I mean by this is, for the players, it's the money. Like that's the I guess, theoretically yeah. the incentive. Yeah. Coaches, we found out, are also part of the the incentive pool. So for them, money. They've still not told us why fans. What's the incentive for fa- fans to care about? What what do we care whether or not our guys get an extra five hundred grand? Like we don't. It feels like they're trying to make us care with these floors. 
I just think they're trying to make it distinctive so that did you they, know. Did you figure out, did, they, did the NBA pay for every team to have a new floor? I would assume so, right? Right? Because there's no way, like. I mean, or. they are they like 600 grand? Yeah, but, or, I mean, like, most of these teams had alternate floors from previous seasons. Can you just repaint them? Well, remember I asked you that, and you're like, you don't think they just repainted it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer. I'm not a floor expert, but I I would assume this came at some sort of cost. Um, if it's, I I imagine it can't be paying for thirty new floors. See, I would think it would be paying for thirty new floors because you're going to use it each year. Well, and on top of that, like yeah, maybe you're right. There's enough cheap owners to be like, I'm not paying that. There are still enough cheap owners. Like we have, well, we have floors. We do not need another new floor. Well, it's interesting you bring it up because it's Friday, and we we usually do. What are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend? And like honestly, like tonight's Grizzlies Blazers game, nine o'clock tip right here on ninety two nine FM ESPN. Like uh, NBA Cup is the first furthest thing from my mind as it relates to the Memphis Grizzlies in this right. game right now. Of, of the of the questions, <laughs> of the implications, we, like that is the one I yes. ma- that matters the least to me. No, I mean I think the first question is when we come back on Monday, are we talking about winless Grizzlies? Yes, I think it's first and foremost on our mind. We'll talk about it here in a second. Two forty or so, Blake Topmeyer will join us. He's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. We will talk to him about that Georgia. Missouri game is can Georgia or can Missouri, excuse me, give Georgia a game? Um, we've also got uh, what else in the SEC this weekend? That's pretty good. So you Let's, got? Did you say Ole Miss A and M? Ole Miss A and M. Yeah, that's right. It's beginning of Arkansas. A, two, Arkansas, Florida. So is this like you know every game is pretty interesting for Sam Pittman? Yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky is is Mississippi State going to mount like a bowl? Okay. They they have a bowl streak that they like to. Uh, hang on to. And then Auburn Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll talk to Blake about the SEC. You on Broadway. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Alabama LSU um, is the headliner in the SEC this week. Three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Jeffrey, surprise, there's mo- there's new revelations in the Michigan yes. uh, football sign-stealing stuff. We can't go – we really can't go a day without something new popping up with this. I like – well, so for a while, if you noticed, stuff was leaking on Mondays. Mm. Now, I think that so many people are on this story. Now it's like every day we get a new juicy detail. Yeah. We also got uh, – we should talk Tiger basketball. I was out at the exhibition game last night uh, against LeMoyne Owen, their final tune-up before Monday's – uh, season opener against Jackson State. Uh, so lots of interesting stuff related to Javon Quinterly, DeAndre Williams that came up last night. So we'll talk about that in the list. And then we'll uh, give you our games of the weekend. So lots to get to. Huge weekend. But let's start with the NBA Cup. <laughs> what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend? And you mentioned the big question is, are we still going to be talking about the Grizzlies being the only team in the NBA without a win? And they, my sus- they play Portland tonight, and then they play Portland again on Sunday. My suspicion is no. But there's three scenarios that happen this weekend. Yeah. The Grizzlies win both, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies split, or the Grizzlies come back winless. Let's take each of those. My gut gut reaction split is a split. Splitsville is a split. But we already guaranteed two and three. Or I, two, know, two and three. I know. I know. That's my gut. So you're changing it? I, no, my official. Get off the fence. My official prediction is. They're coming back two and five. I said that. I said that before the Utah Jazz game. I'm sticking to it. Going to have to call you John Kerry for a minute, Mister Flip Flop. No, I'm not going to flip flop. Mm-hmm. I'm going. Even though I'm, 
I'm leaving myself uh, some wiggle room in the sense that I'm telling you my gut right now says split, but my official on the on the official prediction, it, what the prediction you're going to be able to hold me to is that I said two and He's five. He's on the record. That is that's some that's some next level waffling there. <laughs> like that is I'm listen, I am willing I to be the, accountable to two and five. I know what the record five. says, but you also know I want it also on the record that I said this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to be accountable to two and five. Provided you understand that Correct. I have, you, are, I, you, you know. are playing both sides here. There you go, <laughs> two and five. They're going to win both, Jeff. All right, so let's let's take each of those three scenarios. Let's start. Let's start with two and zero. Does two and zero, and they come back? So at that point they'd be two and five, and then what? Wednesday is the Heat. Yes, two and five. You get a little break. Yeah, had, like the games have been coming kind of pretty fast and furious here at the beginning of the season. Will that be enough of a reprieve to make people catch their breath? Oh yes, absolutely. You think two two wins against the Trailblazers will two, do it? Two win. I'm not saying people are going to not be like worried, but two wins will stop sort of the dramatic rhetoric for a minute. I think part of the problem is is that they are literally the only winless team in the NBA and don't have a win yet. I think. Well, I, I do. I think on your point though. I think it's not only are they winless, they're also losing like in pretty hilarious fashion. Yeah. Like you get beat by thirty something. I'm not saying jazz. I'm not saying winning two against Portland is now okay. Not they're back. They're back in the mix in the Western Conference. I, yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but parade's still on. It'll it'll feel stabilizing a little bit if you can ring reel off two wins in a row. I think if you just if you split. You know, especially like I think if you split, they'll you'll still have that kind of same, you know, that pit in your stomach that it feels like people have right now. Yeah, I think if you split your st- the pit in the stomach is I think it's displaying itself as I think people now are begrudgingly turning the games on. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you know when you go to watch your team and well, you're, you don't like, really like you're. It's like you don't want to be there. You you don't, you want to be there. It's like if there was like a way in which Bally Sports and they can't even. Do a thing. They can't even stream something properly, so I'm not. This is no in no way realistic. But if there's some way they could send alert an alert to your phone that like, hey, oh, the Grizzlies look better now. Coast is you clear. Can, yeah, you can yeah. turn it back on. Like you know, they they figured it out a little bit here. Uh, you you can you can watch now. <laughs> I don't think we can get that alert figured out, but if we could, everyone would love it. Yeah, let's start first with them just figuring out the app. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's figure out how to get the yeah. games on let's, properly. Let's stream the games At the first. times that Correct. everyone thought they were going to be on in the manner they thought they were going to be on. I would say we could take up that mantle of, okay, everybody, like, you know, okay, everybody, you can turn it on now. Yeah, we're like the yeah. – yeah, yeah, right. Right now, it's like we're the pol- sh- yeah, we're we're the gatekeepers of like okay, it's safe. <laughs> it's like you, we're you, the t- we're the tornado you, siren. You were right a now lifeguard. the tornado. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, right now the tornado. Yes. It's Adult Swim right now. Yeah, yeah. No, don't go in this pool. Well, right <laughs> now, now you don't need to jump in right now. Yeah, everybody just had chicken tenders. Like you know, you're supposed to stay out of the pool for like 20 minutes. <laughs> but I I will be. You know, I'm hopeful that they can look better. I mean, I will say. You know, now you start to see you're starting to see the national media catch. Now that they're the only winless team, you're seeing more and more national media kind of picking up on. Oh, Grizzlies are really struggling here. Like this is this is not good. Um, and in reading about this, it's like you know the Blazers are actually not playing horribly right now. Shaden Sharp's having a nice start to the season, even though they don't have Anthony Simons. Like you know, they got Jeremy Grant. Shaden Sharp looks pretty good. You know. 
I know it's I know it's not a great mix, but like I'm gonna be honest, they've got two centers that are better than any center you have, probably. Rob See, Williams I, and I'm gonna pick, DeAndre Ayton. I'm gonna take up for Ayton. Mm-hmm. Ayton got worked by Jokic, and everyone just decided like Ayton sucks. And it's like Anthony Davis got Anthony worked Davis by got Jokic. worked, and we didn't sit there and do that. Like, yeah. Um. So I, I don't think even though the even though the Blazers are predicted to be maybe the worst team in the NBA this year. They have more wins than the Grizzlies. They've been playing better than the Grizzlies, and right now, especially if Santi doesn't play, and he was listed as doubtful, so I imagine he won't play, Like they've probably got more NBA-caliber I mean, rotation players than you right now. Historic, like, whatever. I don't know if historically is the right word, but... Frequently, what the like when the Grizzlies do doubtful, like that means the guy's coming back, but like maybe tomorrow. Yeah, it means like maybe Sunday but, uh, he'll play. I'm with Harrington. If if Santi gives it a go in warmups and he says he feels good, I think you have to play him. I think that's I think that's where they are. They do not have enough good players where you can sit there and have the luxury of like if if he feels good enough to go, I think I'd give it a go. Yeah, and then the other question: Will we see Bismack Biombo tonight? Will we be talking? Will I we mean, be coming out of the weekend? Talking about how Bismack Biombo might well, be able to turn the season. You've already around. got your column pre-written about how he lifts. He's going to lift everyone up. It's true. Um, Although I found, I found, I, I found kinda, some. I, I agree though with Eric. Right. The reason why part of the reason why they leaked the the name early is, I mean, he has passed the physical, correct? I I think so. They've I mean they've put him on you know like it's been officially announced. And I mean all that I'm, stuff. I'm with Eric. Eric believes that they told him be ready to go game one. Yeah. And I don't I don't think I, when you look at what they have on the floor like I think you've got to I think you got to at least give it a go. So you know I found that that definition of Bismack yes. Biombo of like you know, an uplifting person like the perfect person for this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an urban, John Morant would technically be the. Perfect there's also person. an Urban Dictionary entry mm. for Bismack Biombo, which is actually a a, a more authoritative. Uh, resource. Okay. Do you want to know what the Urban Dictionary for for Bismack Biombo is? I do. Is the I most certainly do. Okay. It is according to Urban Dictionary, Bismack Biombo is also the meaning of it's it's the discreet way of asking a dealer for weed. What is the connection bro, there? I don't know, but the the sample sentence here is, "Bro, I know you got some Bismack Biombo for me to buy." Aren't there like a thousand better like I don't when I think. Bismack Biombo, I don't think weed guy. Well, this is a discreet way of doing it. Then it seems to be accomplished. Yeah, but like if now I, I will say urban dictionary. Like you and me could put in an entry into urban dictionary. No, it's listen, that's what that's a good definite. That's where the streets. That's like the real <laughs> stuff. Um but yeah, no. Those I, are the best takes on the internet. I imagine we'll be talking about what here's what I think. I don't think we're gonna be talking like, about what, Bismack Biombo saves the season. I do think we're isn't probably JR gonna, Smith a better example. Maybe, yeah. Who's got some JR? Um, I do think we'll be coming out of the weekend going, okay, he's good enough where they're going to keep him for the rest of the year. Well, and, I, I, and I think that the I, contract suggests that. Well, I, I think the real answer is the, like, we know that they're going to probably f- view him more favorably than they view Lofton right now. Yes. So, I mean, I think that's where yeah. it is. Um, All right, now let's take Splitsville. Okay. Splitsville, I still think... I still think the general mood is going to be the same. I would agree. There's, I think you can he, only, you can only. It'll win, be, well, you know what? It'll be better because you won't be the only winless team in the NBA. But there will still be this. And I again, two and five doesn't change the the like concern either. 
but no, you, you, still sweep. The, you still have the same problems. But it like it does allow you to breathe. Yeah, a little. yeah. Like you won, you won two games in a row. Like splitting, you're still gonna look at this team and go, oh, boy, what? How are we gonna? How are we gonna get to game twenty six? That's what you're saying. If you split, still, how are we gonna get to game twenty six? Whereas, whereas if you win two in a row, you can maybe talk yourself into okay. We can figure out a way to get to game twenty six. It starts now. Yeah, like we can. Fi- this is where we start building. Where where split, you're, you feel like you're still asking yourself, you know, that ex. What's become an existential question of uh, how are we going to get to game twenty six? In like, you know, not completely having ruined our playoff hopes. I think that's probably right. And then obviously, if they come back zero and two, if they're zero and seven, I think. I mean, I said it. Earlier this week, I think like that—that that is when you start to really you're going to have to start sounding the alarm bells. Well, I mean, I think they come back zero and two. The reaction is is largely the same. It's like you have to do something. So go like make trades, whatnot. It's well, gonna, I don't know if it's make trades as much as it's just like, oh boy, like this oh, is going to be tough. And especially like if they look bad in these two games, I think two? Every, no, because here's why I think it's going to be they need to make the moves. Everyone for a while was willing to do the. You don't think it's good. You don't think there's. Able, you, I, I agree with you. More people will probably say they need to make a move. I do think you're going to hear a larger chorus of well, maybe this is just a lost season. Well, not even lost season. I think you'll you'll start to hear the tank season. Mm. I think that's what you're going to. Even start just to. after seven games. Oh yeah. Hmm. It's already it's already in that the streets. That feels too quick. They're Owen. They would be Owen seven with losses to. The Trailblazers twice, mm-hmm. the Wizards, mm-hmm. the Jazz, and then they would have lost. It's still every like home not game. even a tenth of the season. I, I'm with you, but that's not how fandom works. And gotcha. the reality is, if they come back 0 and 7, they do need to fix the roster or try to fix the roster because the the bigger looming question for them is. What are you going to do to fix this roster in the future? Like, if let's say, let's say you're correct in that this is a quote unquote lost season, which is clearly well, I, that's not what I'm predicting. Cl- no, I'm been saying, yeah, you are. Let's say that that is correct, and because that option is very much on the table. Mm-hmm. Someone that is trying to make the playoffs is not going to make the playoffs. That's that's the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. If indeed you're correct that this is a lost season, the reality facing them is what makes next. What makes you more hopeful for next year? Because it's entirely possible Steven Adams has played either his last game as a Grizzly or his last game in the NBA. I bet it's not the last game in the NBA. I could see maybe it being last game with the Grizzlies. Certainly, it's. I think he's played his last game as like the no doubt starting center for the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, I'm 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 fine with that. Yeah. Who honestly knows how Brandon Clark's going to come back? We've seen more guys come back from Achilles. It used to be like kind of the end of your career. Certainly, the peak of your career. We've seen it now. That's it's not like that anymore. But no one knows what that looks like, and you still have the same issue with Clark, in which he's really kind of an undersized five. So they've they've always been hesitant to start him and play mm-hmm. them play him extended. You're still going to have all these same looming questions. Like, what makes you think that? Well, they're just going to have like they're going to come back and be better. It is amazing how five games, like, we weren't asking any of this a month ago. Well, I mean, we should have, but. I I think, because I've been, I was thinking about that yesterday. It's like, the signs were kind of there, and we ignored them. 
Did we ignore them because we like we didn't want to believe it, or did we ignore them because like we got like our brains were crowded? I don't know. Like, but it was clearly there. Like we should have known. The Stephen Adams injury the whole time has been weird. Agreed? Since January, the thing's been weird. Mm-hmm. We should have known that that was on the table. We knew Ja was going to be suspended and for an extended period of time. We knew that they had gotten rid of their stabilizing backup point guard that was able to keep you afloat. At least that was for Marcus Smart. Yes, agreed. Yeah, at least that one you could at least you could spin zone that. Like I do think they're better for having Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. But they lost one of their best defenders, despite the fact that, like, yes, it was it was exhausting to keep Dylan Brooks around, but they lost one of their best defenders. And they were basically they basically kind of told us part of their way for improving the team was internal growth, which is always usually a red flag. Because all of a sudden you're expecting these guys are just gonna get better. Well, I mean, I think they were hoping one. Like, you know, like, hey, we got four guys here, and maybe one of them, hopefully one of them, will emerge as, like, a very good rotation player for us. And so far, they're not there yet. I know Zaire I mean, the has been is, though, a little better, but the problem like, is they're not there yet. The problem, though, is the verb that you used. They were hoping. Yeah. No, it's – it's. I mean, listen, the back half of the roster – it's just it used to be a strength and now it's a weakness. There's no literally question. in two years' time it has gone from they might have had remember we used to talk about it. Yeah. They might have had the best eight through fifteen in the NBA. Yes. And now it is a like it has shown up as, oh, like they are very top heavy. Like they are, you know, they've got three guys, four with jaw, and then man, there's a big drop off. Well, and then the other problem though is as long as Taylor Jenkins is their coach. They're going to play 10 guys. And those guys get extended minutes. Like, this is if Thibodeau's coaching this team, it's really not that big of a deal because you just play the guys that could play. And he, well, it's a bigger deal at the end of the year when yeah. they don't do anything in the playoffs. Now, this team, you know, if they continue, you know, tonight's, tonight's a big deal. Like, just because if this hole gets any deeper, just, I mean, like the history, I, I went through the history. Like, if they go to 0 7, there are literally five teams since 1984. That started the year 0 and 7 or worse and made the playoffs, and one of them actually advanced in the playoffs. Like that's what you're looking at, essentially. You know, if you if you lose a couple more, history says, okay, yes, there's a rare chance you can you can recover and make the playoffs, but you're going to recover and barely make the playoffs right. and run into the number one or number two seed in the first round and probably lose. Yeah, and I guess you can make the argument it. In the times that you're talking about, that was kind of a little bit more of the more predictable NBA. Yeah. Whereas now... It, I mean, last year the two-seed lost in the Western Conference. Correct. The Grizzlies did. <laughs> right. And, and, and granted, like that, that, also, even, that also requires context. It's like, well, the Lakers got a new team. And mm-hmm. they were no, largely... The league is a little bit deep, deeper now. Like, there's you can have whatever debate you want over, like, was Jordan better than LeBron, whatever. But in terms of, like... Depth of the league. Yeah. I think the league, especially like compared to like when they first expanded, like when Charlotte and Miami and Vancouver and and Toronto joined the league, like like in the early to mid 90s, like compared to now, like the league is much deeper. You would regularly have sub 500 teams make the playoffs. 
Yeah. Like that that would frequently happen. Now I believe the Thunder were the 10 seed and were 40 and 42 last year in the West. I believe that's how it went. That sounds right cuz they I, they played they were the, the Pel- only, they played they the, were the only team in the West last year to make it under 500 and it was as the 10th uh, you know it wasn't the traditional Right, but eight, I'm saying like yeah, ten. like they I mean we we've, we've seen recently yeah. I mean it happens but it's mm-hmm. just it's it's been more in the Eastern Conference over in recent Correct. years when it when it's happened but But you've also seen like changing opinions of you know you get a lot of these teams that are older they sit there and go we don't necessarily care about the regular season like we got to get healthy and stay we got to stay in the mix and stay healthy and so you know a 6 seed weren't the weren't the warriors the 6 last year that sounds right yeah cuz the kings were yeah. the 3 right yeah so the 6 and the 7 both won last year yeah yeah so um we shall see hopefully uh and the 8 gave the the nuggets their most uh <laughs> competitive series even though of course the the sweep of the even though the sweep of the Lakers was the most competitive sweep we've ever seen. <laughs> the Shout out Wendy. Um all right. So hopefully we're not talking about windless Grizzlies. Are we are we talking about a happy homecoming weekend for the Memphis football program? They play South Florida tomorrow at two o'clock. Um another I I, I think I'm gonna start deeming these uh, you know BTO weekends. Just gotta take care of business. A little T C B. Yeah, a little T C B. Um I don't they're double-digit favorites in this I one. I don't think they're going to lose, but something tells me that it might be a little uh, uncomfy. South Florida feels frisky, and they've had an extra week and to prepare. It, it also just feels like a – doesn't it feel like kind of like a little sleepy Saturday? Maybe. Now, the one thing is – one thing to watch is South Florida's defense is so aggressively bad that, like, they might be hangover-proof. Like, because I do think, like, when Memphis – most of the times when Memphis has kind of that sleepy, uninspiring effort, it's usually because the offense doesn't get going. And my my guess is this game is going to be – they're going to win. It's not going to be completely satisfying. But I don't think it's going to be like last weekend where like – no, because they do not have the receivers. Like in the end, the problem the problem with North be- Texas was North Texas had a passing game that – Allowed for what you saw. I think it'll be like kind of like the Ryan Silverfield era. It'll be one of the, a classic Ryan Silverfield. How are we supposed era to feel? Win. Where you, you ask yourself, how am I supposed to feel like, about this? It was successful on the scoreboard. Yeah, but like I don't know really know how to feel about this. That's kind of like what I'm expecting out of this. What was his line on Saturday? I'll take all as many tough wins as I can get. It's like eh. ugly wins, ugly wins, ugly wins yeah. as they'll let me have. That's kind of the problem. I'll take as many ugly that's, wins that's as the they'll problem. let me have. But hey, they win. They're seven and two. Um and uh, in a nice position uh to go to the AAC championship game they 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 I mean it it'll it's probably going to come down to the wire in the AAC even if you win out um but this weekend you know like I mean UTSA's got an interesting game at North Texas because UTSA is the one team other than Tulane that controls its own destiny in this race for the AAC title right. Yes, that's correct. Or does Florida Atlantic, or did they lose? Uh, they smoked Charlotte last week, so I don't think they lost. But I thought someone's gotten them. Um, they lost to UTSA 
Yeah. Um, but I, think, I think you're correct. The only two teams that control their own destiny are Tulane and UTSA. Well, no, Florida Atlantic. If Florida Atlantic, I don't think Florida Atlantic controls its own destiny. But if they ended up tied with you, it would get interest. Tied with Memphis, it would get interesting because that would mean they'd have a win over Tulane. So it could get complicated with FAU. Aren't they? Isn't the ACC doing the move where AAC? I'm sorry, the AAC. Aren't they doing the move where it's being decided by their rankings, or they they the petition that the people that come like that data company to tell us who's better? Yes. Yeah. That's how they. That's usually. Well, no, no, no. no. They, Look at that Tulane and SMU. They do it based on the rankings. If there's no way for their tiebreakers to decide, it. got it. It's like they have the tie. One, there's obviously head to head, and then it's like. If there's a three-way tie, it's like your record against the other two teams and things like that. And, like, if Memphis was tied with FAU, I believe FAU's win over Tulane would, would put them over the top because you didn't beat right. Tulane. Although, I, don't, I do I, think that SMU win because I – Yeah, I mean, if SMU I mean? like was involved, the then they like, would get yeah. in. Yeah, you're right. It could get very complicated. Um, regardless, I don't expect FAU to win out. I think UTSA no, is the big threat here, and they have an interesting one against North Texas. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm hopeful, you know, Memphis gets a comfortable – more certainly a more comfortable win than last weekend. I don't want to – that was that was awful to go through, even as a Memphis fan having won the game – winning the game. Like, that's just an awful experience to watch a team lose a lead like that. Well, it's not only – I mean, yes, you do give – because there is nothing worse than, like, watching the comeback happen and then you realize – like to a certain degree, like yes, you avoid the disaster, but there is still in the back of your mind you're just like, man, if North Texas would just manage the clock a little bit better, like we lose that game. No, and, and honestly, let's hope. I mean, Seth Hennigan was really good last weekend. Yeah, he was. If he's that good the rest of the year, they got a shot. Like they got a yeah. shot to run the table. Like, yeah, I agree. And like go like if he plays at that level, you know, you do get the sense of when Seth was back there. Man, these CUSA teams are so much better to play against. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like South you, Florida's if, basically if been at, a CUSA team. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at the, but if you look at the games that have been tough on him, it's like it's been all the non-CUSA teams. But yeah, the it's holdovers. Like, man, you get you get those CUSA defenses back in there, and you're like, oh, this is so much better. Um, are we talking about the greatest sporting American sporting event in Germany since the 1936 mm. Olympics? Well, I count the I count the thirty six Olympics as an Jesse Owens made an American made it an American sporting event. Yeah, um, we got Dolphins Chiefs in Frankfurt, eight thirty on Sunday. We did route them pretty good in World War Two. <laughs> once the once the thing got to Germany, that was a pretty. You that thought, was on. You, you thought Utah yeah. beat beat the Grizzlies no, the other night. No, no. Once <laughs> once it actually got to Germany, that was go look pretty, at that go big look, route. Yeah, go look at the all yeah. twenty two of WW two. That, that, that was a tough film set. Like. They were, you know, they were playing like UAB at that point. They were going for it every fourth down. Uh, that one did not work out for them. I mean, how many American sporting events know, have been in Germany? It's crazy that this game is in Germany. By the way, Travis Kelsey met with the German media today. You'll be stunned. The tra- the, the Taylor Swift story travels. No Jeffrey. way. It crossed the ocean. Uh, he was asked about... Uh, it, it. What's German media reputation? Because, like, we know, know, like, with... with the Brits, it's like they're very kind of like uh, what's the word? Uh, like they're adversarial, maybe. Like they're a little more 
Well, it's more tabloidy. Yeah. It's just a little more tabloidy, and they're more aggressive. Yeah. They're more aggressive. Listen, they get more scoops because of it. Yeah. I'll say that. There's, like, more scoops, I think, in in London. Um, let's like, see. I don't know what the German media reputation is. Uh, let's see. German media credibility in 2020. I don't know if this matters now, but um, uh, much like America, German media at, at, at recent lows in mm. terms of trust with the uh well, with is there is there any media that has a other than north korean media is there any media that has a high approval rating um it looks like, yeah i don't know um but nonetheless he was asked they asked the real tough they do ask tough questions apparently in germany because travis kelsey was asked if he's in love with taylor mm. swift um say he's going to keep things personal well he also mentioned like he's not going to say whether or not she's going to be there because it's moving lines Oh, really? he's 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 very conscious of, oh, of the good people out there putting their hard earned gotcha. money. On he him. wants he wants. Yeah, he, he needs he's, and the, the integrity of the yes. sport is yes. important. to yes. him. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's, it's it's affecting the line too much. Um, yeah, he did not give any comment on whether he's in love with. He said he's going to keep personal relationships. Why personal. did we pick Frankfurt? I think, well, remember, wasn't, didn't Germany have, like, the good NFL Europe team? Yes, like Cologne. The team, the team that Cologne. actually drew. Yeah, the Dragons, I think. Yeah, like, I well, I thought it was Berlin. I thought, like, Berlin. It was, like, in Berlin. Maybe NFL Europe. God, those. I used to watch the championship game every year. Well, it was also, like, it was, like, it was like the it was only a, thing on. It was like, on, like spring like, football. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, like, it, it was, was, like, the only thing I used to watch every year. Is he setting up a foreign Super Bowl? No, I hasn't he been? No, isn't he? Well, I could see that. I thought he's more. I, I at that point he would like he should be tried for war crimes if he really does do. That. I think he's. I thought he's trying to set up like ultimately, and it won't happen in the next five years. But it felt felt like it feels like isn't he trying to develop like another division of football that's overseas? I mean, I think. I think ideally what he would like to do like is have a, have London a London team, team, a London team, a Berlin. But you can't just no. have a London team. You'd have to have like some other teams over there to to at least offset some of the travel. At a certain point, like knock it off. Yeah, like it's the, America's game. The EPL's not going to New York City and going. You know what? Let's yeah. get a team here. They play exhibition games here. Correct. They play their preseason games way, here. Guess what would be better for them financially? I think, I think we should put in. I think the rules should be put in. I, I only want to see preseason games overseas. I am fine with one London game. When it used to be the novelty, mm-hmm. and back when the day of, remember like how you finished in the division determined whether yeah. or not you were going to yeah, the London game? Be, yeah. Like there should be the fear of, oh no, we get the London game. Yeah. Like that should be part of it. This shouldn't just be like. I, we shouldn't be putting good games in uh, like no. this. No. No, it's, I don't like it. No, this is so dumb. Like I. But also, it's like, I don't know, like of all the of all the German cities, like Frankfurt's not the top well, of mind. Well, and I'm gonna be honest; it diminishes from like if this game is a classic. I think the fact that it's taking place in Frankfurt in front of some random crowd is gonna diminish it. Whereas if it was played at Arrowhead or played in Miami, I think it feel it's gonna it would feel different. I also agree. Like even if you have like. Let's say the Dolphins were to win. Like how much, no one's going to put much credit. But like, like, yeah, but no. like also, but also think about it's like, in Frankfurt. It's in another country. Well, it also changes our opinion. Yeah, like when the last year when the Bills went to Arrowhead and won, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. damn. Like the, the, I don't understand what the it was. It'd be one thing if like it was two random teams and it just so happened they they were two one loss teams and it worked out that way. Yeah, like it the, was easy to foresee Kansas City and Miami yes. was going to be a big game. Yes. 
I'm sure that but I'm sure that was part of I'm sure you grow the game. Well, Time I'm to sure grow the game internationally. I'm sure Frankfurt paid God knows how much money, but part of getting the money, I'm sure, was they wanted some reassurance. They wanted of a, like a decent. They yes. wanted my, well. They, they, it's like we want Mahomes. Well, and then isn't the other one the Patriots? I think the other German game's the Patriots. I'm sure they wanted that. Well, he's bad for football. I agree with Gruden. He's an anti-football p-word. Oh my! I'm I tongue in cheek talk about the commission. The more you think about it, like the more, especially when he smugly, it's all about our fans. Like, no, it's not. It's all about lining the pockets of the owners. Like, don't, my thing is just be honest. Don't tell us that you're trying to think about us. Well, then why do we have to get up and watch Kansas City and the Dolphins at 830 in the morning in Frankfurt, Germany? And your noon lineup is god awful, basically. horrific. (laughs) Like, that game should be a noon kickoff. We should have that at noon. Eagles, Eagles, Cowboys at three twenty-five, and then Sunday night Bills and Bengals. Yes, that would be such a great Sunday. Yes, and instead, this. Are you going to wake up early and watch it? Of course, I am. (laughs) I'm the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. When we come back, Blake Topmeyer will join us. We'll talk some SEC football with him. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on ninety-two-nine FM ES. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yeah. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. Of course, you can read his work. In the commercial appeal, his podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, on Twitter, on X, at B Topmeyer. Blake, I was trying to think about this. Why does the Alabama-LSU game feel like such a big game? Because it clearly does, when in reality, like, it's unclear, like, if it really does have playoff implications, but it just feels like a massive game. Yeah, it does. Like, and and so much of college football has become oriented around the playoff, right? So it's yes. sort of surprising that uh, this this still has a huge game feel because, as you said, like um, it, it maybe doesn't have playoff implications. Although for Alabama, it does. Like, I, I think we've all been operating on the assumption that, like, well, Alabama's out because even if they win the West, they'd lose to Georgia. But I don't know. I mean, like that doesn't feel like totally a foregone conclusion. Uh, I think Alabama, you know, is one of a couple teams in the conference that could test Georgia. Georgia's not as invincible as they were maybe the last couple seasons. So, I mean, Alabama's still still hanging around in the playoff mix, and, and this would become an, an elimination game. But I think it goes beyond that. Like, I don't think that's even why this is such a big game. I don't know if it's because this is the last year of divisions. Yeah. Um, and it's like, who, who rules the West in the final year? Um, or maybe, maybe like, even in this playoff era, maybe comp- like conference championships still matter. Maybe division titles still matter. I, they don't matter as much as they used to. But I can tell you, like, 
if you talk to LSU fans, like, I think they thought it was a pretty big deal. They won the West last year. It, it, maybe that was just because it was Brian Kelly's first season. But, like, playoffs, like LSU fans were celebrating that West title. Um, yeah. I do think they, they still – divisions and, and, and conference championships – still matter to to some degree even in the playoff era. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in the end a division title like even though when you like actually take a step back and you look at what LSU accomplished last year, it's kind of what I would argue is like it's kind of a typical LSU year. Like they went, you know, 9 and what well, they finished. I think they finished what 9 and 4 or they go 10 and 4 cuz they had the SEC title game and the bowl game, but it's like it was kind of a 9 and 3 year. But the fact that they yeah. won the West felt like in year one that was a legitimate accomplishment. Like I, I think that's it. But I think for this one, it's I guess you can make the argument it is a playoff eliminator. But really, I think the other flip side of it is it's like for LSU, it feels like this is Jaden Daniels' moment. Like despite the fact that they have two losses, this does feel like with no one kind of taking control of the Heisman, it feels like this is his. This will be like his big stage to like make his case. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this this week. Is that like there, there's two narratives going at this point? Alabama's still alive for the playoff, and, and Jaden Daniels is lurking for the Heisman. Um, I think really only one of those narratives can survive Saturday. Now you can make the argument that Jaden Daniels could still win the Heisman even if LSU loses. That's true. But it becomes so much more difficult to do with a loss to Alabama off a three-loss team. Um, as, as I pointed out, since the start of the playoff era, um, there's only been one guy win the Heisman from a team that had three or more losses when the award was was determined. You know, USC wound up with three losses last year, but when Caleb Williams won it, he did it off a two-loss team. Lamar Jackson was the only guy in the playoff era uh, to win it off a off a three or more loss team, so I, I really think if if Jaden Daniels is going to win this thing, LSU's got to win tomorrow. Uh, it, it becomes incredibly more difficult for him to do it without that marquee victory. Um, you know, the Heisman just, as we know, like it, it gravitates to those big November moments, um, and I think it's much harder to have that Heisman type moment in defeat. Oh, no. Did Alabama get him? We're talking too much LSU. Yeah, Alabama said he's not winning yeah, the Heisman. This not, not on our watch. <laughs> I think I oh, – there. Sorry, we lost you there. We lost you. Yeah, sorry, guys. Now, yeah. no, that Alabama defense is saying, uh-uh. Not, uh-uh, not this weekend. No one has ever beaten Saban. No quarterback's beaten him twice in a row at Bama. Has Jaden Daniels beaten him at Bama before? Last year. Not at Bama. But, no, no, this is the uh, – Big Cat was put, promoting it, but I actually – I had written this. I looked this up when Ole Miss was trying to beat Nick Saban for the second time in a row when I was covering Ole Miss. Drew Brees is the last quarterback to beat Nick Saban in consecutive seasons. Oh, interesting. And he did it at Purdue okay. against Michigan State. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, like, that is fascinating because I have – I've felt like for weeks, Blake, that – LSU is going to be the team that could get Bama because I think that they can score and they can score enough to where I'm not convinced that Alabama can keep up. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Do I really want to put my faith in this LSU defense? Like, I don't think all of a sudden that they've they fixed their problems. I think they just played 
lesser competition. Yeah, I don't think they fixed their problems either. Um, I, I think this is a big test for Jalen Milrose growth. Like, is, is that a real thing, uh, or is that sort of a, a media concoction? I, I think we're going to find out because I, I think Bama's defense can contain LSU, you know, a little bit more than, than some of these other teams that they totally faced. agree. It's, it's, yeah, this is the best defense LSU's faced since the season opener. And if we think back, uh, that was the one game where Jaden Daniels didn't look like a Heisman quarterback was was against Florida State, the opener. This will be the best defense he's, he's seen since then. But still, you're going to have to score some points. Um, you know, I don't think this is going to be a 17-14 type of game. So I think this is a big moment for Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, I, I really like the, the, the way that Alabama has evolved its offense after the first few weeks of the season. Um, I mean, it's it's nothing fancy. It's it's run game, and it's deep shots, and it's sprinkling some quarterback run. But I think it's, it's an acknowledgement of who they are, right? Like the first few weeks of the season, in, in some ways it's like they're asking Jalen Milrow to be Bryce Young and, and kind of have these long drives yeah. down the field, mid-range passing. It's like that's not who this guy is. I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't believe they went into the season thinking that's who he was. I don't know why it took him a couple weeks to realize that, but they did eventually realize, like, that's not what this guy is. we got to take a ton of deep shots. Um, we got to get the ground game going, and you got to let Milrow run it a little bit. And that's what they've done, really, since week three of the season. They found an identity. Uh, it's not a national championship-type offense, but it's, it's enough to give teams some problems when, when you combine it with the defense they have. So, um, yeah, it, it, the other thing, as we talk about this, you know, why this feels like a big game, guys. Like, um, when we think about different rivalries in the conference, like, of course, we think about the Iron Bowl and some of the others. But, you know, for the last 20 years in the SEC, there are fewer games that are that are bigger on the calendar every year than Alabama-LSU. And I know it's not, you know, the marquee rivalry for Alabama, but even if neither one of these teams winds up in the playoff, to me – it's still Alabama-LSU, and, it, and it still speaks to why I think, um, and I'm sure a lot of television executives think, that this game needs to remain on the schedule no matter what you know format the SEC goes with going forward. And it should, all, and it should be at night, honestly. Like, it should be a night yeah. game um, right. each year, too. Um, I'm curious. I, this is the really important question to me. Saban showed up on the Pat McAfee show with a bloodshot eye, and apparently... The doctor, crimson shot eye. Crimson shot eye. The doctor, the team doctor, has said he believes it is from the. He popped a blood vessel because he was yelling too much. Um, do we take that as a good sign that Saban's been spending this week yelling at his guys? I don't know. Like if, if Saban spent the week smiling at us all, we'd take that to be a good sign too. Like um, this guy. So here's what's interesting about that. Like, Georgia is undeniably atop the sport. That's, that's been the case for the last couple of years now, right? And yet, the singular coach who still dominates the headlines, dominates the narrative, and I'm guilty of it too, is Nick Saban. Like, Nick Saban is still insurmountably more interesting than Kirby Smart. Like, Kirby and Georgia, I mean, they're kind of like cyborgs at this point. Um, now, Kirby was a little bit more interesting in his postgame presser after the Florida game. He took a little bit of a jab at Dan Mullen. He compared Georgia to Jason from the Friday the 13th movies and saying, you know, you just couldn't kill Jason. Kept coming back. 
Um, you know, for Kirby, he was showing a little personality there. But, like, I, I think more than anything, this is just an example of even though Georgia is college football's number one program right now, Nick Saban still captivates the sport unlike any other coach. So, yeah, if he's got blood vessels popping. America's coach? Well, I, I, I hate to cut yeah. you off. I would say he captivates America unlike one other coach. I think Dion's well, still, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably true. I guess I guess maybe in the SEC. Yeah, but there's no uh, question. Yeah, yeah Dion, Dion for sure. I mean, he, he has passed Saban, I, I would agree. Nationally, Dion's in, in the number one speed as far as driving the narrative. Um, and some people would say, oh, well, maybe Lane does in the SEC. Uh, I don't know. He's probably more in the number two seat. He rises up. He has his moments. Um, but so much of what Lane does is, is like, you know, tweets. Yeah. Uh, whereas Lane's like David the jester. Let's be honest. Like of college football yes, coaches, yes. he's like the jester. Like he's he's, yeah. he's he can he gets his barbs in here and there, but like he's not moving the needle in terms of like the direction of the sport. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Smiling at a press conference doesn't uh, doesn't rank as, as headline news, whereas Nick Saban smiling at a presser. Yeah, Nick Saban was like, <laughs> "I don't smile at press conferences." What are you talking about, Blake? No, but you're you're hundred percent right, Blake. We don't study Kiffin's body language. Like we're we're not discussing like. You know what is how he appeared at media days. We're not we're not writing think pieces about what that means about the Ole Miss team. No, we still got me. No, yeah, we got yeah, you. Now. We got you now. All right, let's wrap things up like this. Since you seem to be in a bad reception zone, is we were we were talking about Georgia. Can Missouri give them an actual test this weekend? Do you see this being a close game? Or dare I say, like, I think, was it last year where Missouri gave yep. them a scare? Um, or dare I say, I mean, obviously this is a top 15 Missouri team. Can Is Missouri capable of being that team that upsets Georgia? What do, you, what, do you, what do you see in this one? Well, I don't think they can upset Georgia. I do think Missouri could cover 15 and a half points. Although I said the same thing about Florida last, last week, and, and Florida – you know, made it interesting kind of on the back door, I guess, but uh, they weren't even close to covering the spread in reality. Um, I don't know. Georgia, time and again, uh, they get up for the big games, and I'm not just talking about this year. Like, that's been the story of this program the last three years now, is that just when you think they're vulnerable, uh, they get up for a big game. I don't, I don't know that there's been as much hype around this game as there was about the Kentucky game and the Florida game. Like, all of a sudden, you know, maybe Georgia's reading his plus press clippings now, and we've decided that they actually are really good. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you can catch them vulnerable. But I think I think Missouri's the best team they've faced this year, which is probably more of an indictment on the schedule than anything. I, I just don't see Georgia losing at home. Um, if somebody's going to get them, I think it has to be away from Sanford Stadium. And I think the schedule sets up nicely because these next two weeks, you know, they got Missouri and, and Ole Miss. If those games were on the road, if those games are at a neutral site, I don't know. Maybe I would be putting Georgia on upset alert. But in Athens, I don't see it. I mean, I think I think Missouri is a is a nice Cinderella story. I think they are actually a good team, unlike what I've been calling Kentucky. Kentucky was fake good going in, going into that matchup. Missouri, I think, is just good. But they're like nine and three Citrus Bowl good. Um, I don't think they're beating Georgia good. I think the Cinderella story takes a week off before resume, resuming. Yeah, I've kind of like 
I have the same questions about like Ole Miss. Like, is Ole Miss good? Like, they at a certain point, like I guess you kind of are what your record is, but like, it's odd because you think of Lane and you think, well, he's probably got a great offense and probably a mediocre defense, and that leaves you wanting more. Really, right now, this team's kind of getting carried by their defense. Their offense is not like inept. Like, I'm not claiming that they're Iowa, but. Like, their offense doesn't, like, pop off the page. How do you kind of view them right now? Yeah, I think back to two years ago when, uh, I mean, we all love Matt, watching Matt Corral and, and all that. But, like, the defense was sneaky competent. Yeah. In that year, they made it to the Sugar Bowl. And, I, and, and there were games during that season where the defense carried them. I wouldn't say the defense carried them wire to wire, but there were particular games during that Sugar Bowl year where the defense stood tall uh, on a day where their offense didn't have its best. I, I think this team is somewhat comparable. Um, I actually kind of think that Sugar Bowl team would have beaten this team. Um, may, maybe not. Maybe I'm not. No, I, I agree with you. I yeah. think the Sugar Bowl I, I team think, had more. I think the Sugar Bowl team had more talent. I think they had more weapons. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think the SEC, you know, in this particular SEC, um, I, I think Ole Miss ranks as a good team, right? Like I don't, I don't care what the playoff rankings say. I know Tony Barnhart was 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 standing up for the SEC on Twitter this week and saying, "Oh, uh, I thought the SEC was overrated. Look at the playoff rankings. Uh, I guess it's a good conference." It's like, no, the playoff committee just overrated them. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.